This week, we're cleaving into the topic of special weapon properties and how to get the most out of every sword swing. I apologise. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello, Jay. Hello. How you doing, mate? You right? I'm very well. Good. Um, I'm not going to ask again because it's been... I'm not going to ask how your week's been. It's been literally five seconds since uh-huh. I last week. That's the magic of... Uh, oh, podcast land. Of podcast editing. Whoa. Yes. So we mentioned in uh, last week's app that we loved the Baldur's Gate 3 gameplay reveal. Enjoyed it. Who knows? By now, there might have been a little bit more. Probably not. Um, but we were uh, talking as we were watching it, and you said to me that you really like the weapons. Well, in, in a Baldur's Gate 3... Which is a, a very good representation of 5e. They yeah, use that. It's, so it's it, very well yeah. represented. But they've changed a few things and added some stuff. And one of the things they've added is, depending on the weapon type you use, you get a special attack type. So you can swing your sword normally, but if you... Um, or you say you can shoot your bow, or you can do a pin-down shot. And now, these special attacks seem just like better in every way compared to the normal attack so I don't know if there's a limit on how many I know on some abilities you can only do them like once per fight and mm-hmm. stuff like that so there's uh, some form of balancing there but it's pretty cool so the bow you can do a pin down shot where you um, you know reduce their movement if you've played a Divinity Original Sin 2 pin down is one of the abilities that the hunter yeah. class gets if you use a great sword you can do essentially a cleave um, so hit two guys at once um, who are next to you the maul can do like knock someone prone I think or something like that mm-hmm. so there's a uh, special abilities they each remind me of kind of like one of the battle master maneuvers yeah uh, is basically but I was thinking about this because right now there's not a lot of choice I think or reason to specify a certain weapon type over another unless you're using feats so um, the feats bec- I think become more limiting than they do rewarding i.e. You know, the best feat, weapon feats really is kind of Polearm, Sentinel Master, Great Weapon Master, or Sentinel, Great Weapon Master, right? That 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 three uh, combo. Yeah. But if you want to do that kind of build, you have to use a Polearm, yes. right? It's quite limiting. Um, and there's nothing uh, really to make you want to use a... Um, something else like there are other the problem is those feats are so much better than say like the sword and board feats of like the shield master or something like that right mm-hmm. or um, you know and then I think it's a little bit better with the ranged because you've got sharpshooter which is pretty decent with like a long bow yeah. but ultimately I think it's just much better with a uh, hand crossbow because mm-hmm. you get hand crossbow expert or master or whatever you get free extra bonus action attack that's another opportunity to do that extra 10 damage so the the feats push you into a very narrow way of playing if you want to be effective at them yeah and then um, outside of that you have the fighting styles but again I think they're not very balanced in the okay great weapon master lets me re-roll ones and twos that equates to roughly like one more damage per attack give mm-hmm. or take yeah mm-hmm. increases damage by about one two points well okay if I take dueling sword and board I just get plus two to my damage anyway yeah um, so then I think great weapon uh, great weapon uh, if you're using a great weapon roughly equates to about uh, one extra damage than sword and board which doesn't really make sense because 
okay, you're losing one extra damage, but you're getting two extra AC. Yeah, I get where you're from. It's not very good. Like, why would you take it? You're better off taking... If you want to use a great weapon, taking great weapon, and then taking protection and getting an extra AC. Yeah. Because... So I think there's not a lot of incentive, and there's no incentive, really, to use, like, mauls. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless you're playing a very specific barbarian, there's not really a point in using a great axe. No. Because 2d6 is just better than a d12. Yeah. Most of the time, unless you're going for a very specific, like, crit build. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when it comes to other weapons, like, there's just no benefit to using a dagger over a short sword. I don't remember anyone using a dagger ever. A short sword is just a better <laughs> dagger, basically. So, I think that so there's there needs to be an incentive. And what I liked, in some of the older editions, you got into a lot more granularity, and there were a lot more weapon types as well. So you have, like, katanas, throwing stars, and all that. But if you have a throwing star in 5e, it's just a dagger. So there's something I'd like to say about that. Um, and I think there's 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 ups and downs to that system. I get where you're coming from. Like, okay, yeah, I want a throwing star, but I don't want it to just be a dagger. Fine. But what I think the current system for weapons does is it allows you to come up with any weapon you want and find a damage type and property that fits that and you've got it. Like, yeah, okay, in the book they only list things like the short sword and the great sword, but and a scimitar. Let's say you want a Viking style short sword. Find the one that fits it and just reskin it. But I want rules, Ben. I, I want rules. Give me a weapons book. Okay. A weapon a warfare book. Where's the warfare book, Ben? Let me give you a suggestion by uh, you slash the gentleman DM from Reddit. Fair enough. Now, he uh, posted this uh, at time of recording nearly 20 days ago. Um, I I hope he's fine with us going through it because I think he's a bit of a genius. Um, He has titled it More Than Just Die Size, Expanding 5e's Weapon Options. I like it already. Exactly. So uh, he goes in to say that, you know, there's a long history of epic fights involving really talented characters with uh, this, like, dizzling array of weaponry. And um, while 5e has continued the tradition admirably, the difference between those weapons is often little more than flavour. Agreed. Okay. So he suggests uh, additions and changes to the properties such as finesse and uh, what's the other one? Well, you've got finesse, heavy, heavy two-handed, two-handed, reach. Yeah, versatile, yeah. yeah. So he suggests changes to those. Um, it's quite a long list, so we'll go through them. Um, he's also got some special weapon properties. And then he has some simple and uh, martial weapons that he's added into the game with uh, different types of uh, die and stuff that he lists out. So we'll go through those two. I like it. So there's a lot here. I like it. I like it. I do. We'll start with the properties. And tell me what you think of each one as we go. So ammunition, weapon fires, consumable arrows, bolts, or darts. Obviously, this is already in the game. Uh, must be able to load the weapon with a free hand before firing it. Two-handed weapons can be held with one hand for this purpose. Pretty sure. standard. Cleave is his first new one. These are alphabetical. Swipes with these weapons can carry from one target to the next. I like it. When you score a critical hit with this weapon against a creature or a re- or re- reduce a creature to zero hit points with an attack, you can deal damage equal to the weapon's damage dice to one target adjacent to the creature. I like it, and it's pretty well balanced as well. Okay. You don't get the modifier, just an extra... An extra damage die. An extra damage die. Cruel. Would make using, again, a great sword a little bit better than using a longsword instead of a d8 you're getting 2d6 exactly what I also like about this system is you could you can basically have have a difference between just a standard greatsword and a special greatsword that has the cleave ability which, which could be fun too um, if you don't want to overpower I don't know tier 1 play cruel 
These weapons are designed to inflict pain and leave their target bleeding. As opposed to the weapons that, <laughs> that don't inflict pain. <laughs> no. I know. Uh, when you roll a one or a two on a damage die of an attack you make with this weapon, you can re-roll that die and must take the new result. This weapon cannot be used to deal non-lethal damage. That's a nice little twist. Nice. I like it. Okay, this is done well. Uh, defensive. While wielding this weapon, you gain a plus one bonus to AC against melee attacks. Only cool. melee attacks. You do not gain this bonus while using a shield because balance. That'd be cool. So you could put that. You stick that on something like a rapier. Mm-hmm. You know that you just imagine fencing with. Yeah. While wielding another weapon that lacks the light property, or while otherwise encumbered and denied the movement of your arms. So that's the other reason you don't get the plus one. Okay. For those those situations. I mean. I stopped halfway through the sentence. M- makes a sen- makes sense. Makes sense. Like, you know, my arms are tied behind my back, can't really fence. Yeah. Finesse stays the same. Dex to attack and damage if you want. Um, flurry. These elegant weapons reward smooth sequential attacks when making an attack with this weapon. If you have already hit the target creature with a melee attack this turn, the damage dice size increases to the noted size. Oh, see, that's a. Imagine how well it synergizes with a fighter yeah. who gets lots of attacks per yeah. round. Mm-hmm. Heavy, uh, too large or heavy for small characters to wield. Small creatures have a disadvantage on attack rolls and made with these weapons. Prejudice. Yeah. Lethal. When these weapons hit a weak spot, they sink deep and deal crippling damage. When determining the damage on a critical hit with this weapon, you add the weapon's damage dice an additional time. This means triple weapon damage dice and double for any other dice. That's very cool. So you, so as normal crit would be double dice. This one yeah. is triple damage, double everything else. So you'd use that if you know if you're going for a real crit build, something that a rogue maybe would barbarian. like would really want. Yeah, barbarian. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of like hexbladey builds that um, rely on the like nineteen and twenty critical. Yeah, yeah. Light. These weapons are light and easily handed. Can be dual wielded. Stay the same. Loading. Because of the time required to load this weapon, you can only fire one piece of ammunition from it when you use an action, bonus action, or reaction to fire it, regardless of the number of attacks you can normally make. Pretty standard. Momentum. This is a new one. These weapons knock your targets around and off their footing. On a critical hit with this weapon, you knock the target prone or shove it 10 feet, provided it is no more than one size larger than you. If you hit a creature with a melee attack with this weapon, you have advantage on athletics checks made to shove that creature until the end of your turn. What I like about this is you thought about the balance. A lot of this stuff would be unbalancing and like all this stuff would be most beneficial to a fighter mm. and probably put them ahead. Because they get so many more attacks, they're getting so much more benefit from this. Mm. Like, because you know it, a rogue will get this uh, this benefit once a fighter will get this benefit three times a turn but because a lot of this stuff only procs on crits that really reduces the disparity there so yeah. it's still fairly balanced across the board it's not like just an always boost no like a plus one or plus three sort yeah. of be uh, penetrating these weapons can sometimes good use of the word uh, punch clean through their targets when you score a critical Story of my hit life. <laughs> God's sake <laughs> when you score a critical hit with this weapon against a creature or reduce a creature to zero hit points with an attack you can deal damage equal to the weapon's damage dice to one target directly behind that creature that's cool that's like a power shot of a bow that'd be really cool on a bow because again I I love the longbow right Mm -hmm. I like that my Uguay my one shot character who I've played about eight times Uguay uses the bow and he's his entire build is very narrow it's all about doing loads of damage with a longbow but ultimately I should be using a hand crossbow with him yeah because it would just be better yeah with with a crossbow expert and but 
And the benefit of the longbow is, okay, you have range. But when are you fighting something at 600 feet? Never. It just never happens. So I never get to use that ability. Well, dragons. Yeah. And it is a, it, we are fighting dragons in that campaign. But even then, like they just come down, you know, they're not flying <laughs> massively high. And they're, they're out of range if they're 600 yeah, feet away. Yeah, that's true. So, but that makes so much sense that you would put that on a longbow or a heavy crossbow. Mm. And it makes those two weapons actually more desirable mm. and balances out with, with other stuff. Uh, reach stays the same, can be used to attack enemies at 10 feet range instead of the 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, skewer. Against a helpless opponent, you can thrust this weapon deeply into their weak spots. When making an attack with this weapon against a grappled, paralysed, prone, restrained, or stunned creature, the damage die size increases to the noted size. So I can imagine using that with spears... Mm-hmm. Um, pole arms. Pole arms, that sort of thing, yeah. Throwing weapon can be thrown Watch. as a ranged attack, stays the same. Trip. While wielding this weapon, you have advantage on checks made to knock creatures prone. Can use the weapon's reach to make the attempt, and can use the weapon's attack modifier in place of your athletics modifier. That's fun. So it's a way to knock someone prone as part of a... Because I don't think that comes up often, unless you're using a spell to do it. <clears throat> no, I can see how some of this stuff steps on the toes of the Battlemaster, but I don't think so. I just think it would make the Battlemaster even more powerful. Yeah, because if the Battlemaster's using this, it's just going to add to them. Yeah, along with yeah. Their, their die. So I like the idea you can power shot and also knock someone down that with would a Battlemaster cool. die. Yeah. Like, you, you have so much CC, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Versatile, and then we get into the specials. So versatile is when wielded with two hand has greater damage and or properties. Yep. So it's kind of the same as it already is. <clears throat> The special ones, uh, there's, I think there's four of these, maybe five or six. Um, blowgun, darts filled with, uh, fired by the blowgun can be coated with a variety of poisons, which can cause damage or uh, debilitations on impact. Pretty standard. Great bow. This unique weapon can be used only by a medium or larger creature. Humanoids are medium, typically the humans yep. are. Elves are the halflings and They're gnomes. They're small. They lose out on this. Dwarves, I think, too. Um... Has a, that has a strength of 18 or higher. Oh, dang. Yeah. The so bow shoots oversized arrows that deal piercing damage equal to 2d6 plus the wielder strength mod. The weapon still uses dexterity to determine the attack modifier. So, so that one's a bit confusing. That's tricky, though, because I don't know what, I don't know what build you'd have a high strength and a high dex. Well, you would be a fighter that uses bow and arrows, wouldn't you? Yeah, but if you yeah, but you just have a high dex. Fighters that use range are not going to have high strength. Yeah, that's true. And you only need a 13 strength to wear plate armor. So mm. you're not, it's probably not. I think it'd be pretty difficult because. It's a very specific one. Yeah, I don't know how. how okay. Yeah. Uh, lance, you have disadvantage when you use a lance to attack a target within five feet of you. The lance can be wielded one handed while mounted. So that's if you want to have some jousting. Mm-hmm. Uh, net. A large or smaller creature hit by a net is restrained until it is freed. A net has no effect on creatures that are formless or creatures that are huge or larger. A creature can use its action to make a DC 10 strength check, freeing itself or another creature within its reach on a success, dealing 5 slashing damage to the net, AC of 10. Also, although it's a net, why would, why doesn't, I never understand why objects have ACs. Well, it's just their toughness. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Uh, also frees a creature without harming it, ending the effect and destroying the net. When you use an action, bonus action, or reaction to attack with a net, you can make only one attack, regardless of the number of attacks you can normally make. I was going to say, because it be- becomes quite strong. Yeah. Um, Nets are pretty useless in D&D. 
I don't know. They can come in handy. To be fair, my barbarian uses them against dragons, so they are. It is quite a good and that type of net. I don't know if that's different from the standard, um, but you know, being able to restrain someone with a single action is. Mm. It's like just a, a much better grapple, basically. Yeah, and if, if you if you know the initiative order and you're doing it where there's five turns before because their then turn. they either have to waste their action, yeah. getting out of it, or they attack with like disadvantage, yeah, and they can't move, yeah. So yeah, you have okay. advantage. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, parrying dagger, the parrying. Oh, I like this. Yeah, uh, I knew you would. The parrying dagger's defense property can be applied when wielding a non-light finesse weapon in the other hand. It still does not apply. Uh, when wielding a non-finesse weapon, wielding a shield, or you are otherwise unable to manoeuvre. So it's it's the idea is to give the... So what does it do? Does it give you extra AC? Yeah, so it's de- it's a defensive weapon. It gives you plus AC, but you can use it with a rapier. You can have a dagger in one hand yeah, and yeah, a rapier in the other. Yeah, classic dagger and rapier combo. Yeah, gives you that. Love it. Yeah. It's that fantasy. Uh, last one, pike. The pike can be used to attack creatures 10 or 15 feet away from the wielder, but attacks made against a target within 5 feet are made with disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So Makes it's sense. A, it's a pike. Um, so those are the properties. Do you want to talk about those, or do you want to go into some of the weapons? Those are very cool, because especially like I'm thinking like the pike... Um, you could have like a phalanx wall yeah a guy staggered back and they would actually be really tough to to defeat yeah because you'd have to move through like a lot of attacks um this system adds a lot of versatility to just people using melee weapons in general it makes me want to be a fighter yeah because you need that granularity this is why i really like 2e and because uh look at us using big words uh, uh <laughs> second edition um had a lot of add-on like kind of splat books yeah. for each class and the fighters one like had this really awesome martial one where you become like a weapon expert then become like a weapon master and it adds to your stats and your abilities and mm-hmm. stuff and it really felt specialized like me as a fighter uh, yes as a fighter i want to be good with all weapons and you cover that by having proficiency in all basically all weapons yeah but i really want to I, I think as part of the class you should press almost like a prestige class I think you should really specialise into a specific weapon and Pathfinder does this mm-hmm. a lot the new Pathfinder or 2E 2E yeah you specialise into a very specific weapon it's all done with feats okay um, but the feats stack on top of each other um, and they're so you basically take like Pathfinder's built your car, your character's basically built up on like racial feats or like what they call them ancestry feats cool. class feats um, I can't remember there's another type of feat as well um, but those class feats they build on top of each other and especially in fighter you, be- you become like a, a master in like a certain type of weapon so whereas in obviously in 5e your proficiency goes up for everything you're proficient in yeah and it kind of similarly does in Pathfinder, but certain things get more proficiency than others. So by the end, you're very narrow in your expertise, and I think it really helps to define that character. Like if I be a fighter, I want to be an expert in. You want to be a weapons master. I want to be an expert sword and board guy, or I want to be an expert longbowman. You know, okay, okay. and I don't want to be swinging my longsword at level twenty and then 
pick up a greatsword and be just as good or almost as good. I want to be distinctively better with the thing I specialised in. Okay. That's just how I like to play. Because right now you're a bit more jack-of-all-trades. Yeah, and like, like if you take old Uguay, yep. he has... So he's got sharpshooter and he's got archery fighting style. So those synergize quite nicely together and it means he does a lot of damage. But even if you picked up a, a, a longsword and a shield... Um, he wouldn't have the plus two from dueling, but other than that, he'd be as good with a longsword and shield as pretty much he's ever going to be. Yeah. Bar like shield master. Yeah. So that to me just doesn't feel quite right. Okay. Um, okay. It just, I think, so I'm like, whereas if you compare that to like a wizard, each wizard is going to look so different from another because they have so many points of, of, um, separation based on their spell choices mm-hmm. you know so a wizard spell book is really gonna make up the the crux of that character the heart of that character mm-hmm. and I think a fighter's weapon should make up the heart of that character yeah. and should say a lot about them so how do you feel about these uh, these properties then? Oh, I love are, there, are there any of them that you don't agree with no obviously I'd have to like sort of play around with them but they all seem fairly balanced and the fact that they're mostly all proc on crits obviously it really makes a crit based build a lot better yes so um, I I don't I'd think have to, I'd have to play test that like because if you then had a like a champion fighter would be really good with these because they get up to uh, at some point they can crit on an 18, 19 or 20 and then if you're getting advantage a lot imagine like a champion fighter that uses like a net in one hand mm. and then like a spear in the other so you go up your first attack you net someone they're, uh, they're restrained, so you have advantage on attacks against them. You crit on an 18, a 19, or a 20. So now you're highly, highly likely to crit. So you've got a 15% chance to crit twice. I don't know how that works out with the math of advantage, but um, what it basically means is you're going to be critting a lot. Mm. And because they're restrained, uh, you, the special property of the spear hits, and you get to knock them prone, or what was it? They you get to do some other thing like the um, pinning move with the spear or whatever. Like I can just imagine that as like being a really synergistic um, combination, and I bet there's lots of them in there. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that's like probably what he's actually going for there is to make uh, a character that's very um, good at a specific thing. So yeah, okay, um, I. We'll go into the next bit. I'm thinking I'm gonna. I will tag this. Um, I'll tag <clears throat> gentleman DM and <laughs> I love the name uh, and the post in in the Reddit post that that I do for this episode, so that you can you can go through and have a look at it yourself too. So he's listed uh, simple melee and ranged, and then martial weapons um, that are from the book. But he's also added some in, and he's put in the properties for each weapon so you can see how they would so is there any special daggers um, look at some daggers okay you want a dagger do you okay well there is the there's this the standard dagger which is you know d4 piercing and it has finesse light it's given it been given skewer with a 1d6 and it is also thrown then there is the new dagger the parrying dagger uh, which is in the martial weapons uh, the parrying dagger is 1d4 as the same it's defensive so you get the boost in the AC it's still got finesse, it's still got light and it's got the special parrying dagger uh, ability which means that it doesn't as we said, uh, I've got to go back and check it parrying dagger uh, does not apply uh, oh if you're like wearing a shield yeah, or, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah so that's pretty cool so because again oh there is one other as well being a um 
if I want to be like a typical fencer, right? Yeah. Yeah. A kind of Zorro type character. Um, I love the idea of having a rapier and a dagger combo, but really, I probably should just have a rapier and a buckler because it, it you know, it's sort of just better. I think a lot of the time, the D4 extra damage is not really going to equate to the two AC you get from a shield. No. But if you get an extra one AC from the dagger already, then and, it levels and, out, and you can attack with it. Yes. Then it actually becomes like fairly viable. There is one other dagger, the serrated dagger. Uh, which does 1d4 damage. It is cruel, uh, finesse, lethal, light, and skewer for 1d8. So if you get someone behind them, is that skewer? You get an extra d8 damage to, to the person behind. I can't really see if they're under a certain status effect. Uh, uh, yeah, it might be. I need to check. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to scroll all the way back up because um, I'm on Reddit mobile. Uh, skewer is against a helpless opponent, so if they're paralysed, grappled, prone, restrained, or stunned... You get cool, the, the 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 damage die goes to one d eight rather than one d four. Yeah, that's so basically cool. d- d- doubles. That's pretty cool. So if they get knocked down, the the rogue can come in and sort of finish them off, and mm-hmm. that's very thematic. He's really formatted this post so well because they're all in in tables and everything. So let's talk. You mentioned katana earlier. Mm-hmm. So he's added katana into the martial melee weapons. Cool. Uh, where forty gold uses two hands and does one d ten slashing damage. It has cleave and lethal. So cleave being the one where on a crit or if you drop someone to zero, you can get an uh, uh, an adjacent enemy too um, with a damage die with no modifiers. And lethal being... Got to check You lethal. can't take... Probably can't do non-lethal damage. Uh, yes, they are only lethal. Um, this is so badass. It, oh, lethal, it, yeah, so that you can... No, wait, hang on. No, on a critical hit, you add the weapons damage dice an additional time. So that's oh, yeah. the triple damage, and then double everything else. See, that'd be so cool. Imagine playing a, a samurai subclass. Yeah, fight a samurai. Yeah. It, it just, oh, awesome. Yeah, okay. And look, because the samurai subclass is uh, all about getting lots of advantage, you're going to be critting more, synergizes. Love it. I'd like to point out as well the quarter staff because it's kind of a standard weapon for druids and wizards start off with them. I think kind of monks as well. Yeah, monks. It's full of a reskin um, for a monk. They're pretty boring. Uh, in this, they uh, they're still versatile, um, but they get defensive. So you gain the AC bonus for having a quarter staff, which synergizes with monks so very well. And you can now viably play the Gandalf sword and stuff combo yes. quite nicely. Yeah, very well. Um, let's have a look at uh, shortbow because I can see that in front of me. Uh, ammunition and lethal, uh, so triple damage die. Very nice. Um, light crossbow in comparison is just standard ammunition and then loading. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some a new... Uh, weapons here the bastard sword nice uh, is 1d8 slashing it has the skewer property 1d10 which would be piercing damage and it is also versatile to 1d10 plus 4 to brood mm-hmm, exactly uh, the barbed whip <clears throat> 1d6 cruel finesse with reach which is just nice see they've all got something that just makes them a little bit unique and, and different uh, you mentioned earlier the like using a maul or a morning star yeah sure so a maul is 2d6 bashing bashing damage. not bashing is it bashing it's <laughs> bludgeoning, bludgeoning damage why did I say bashing <laughs> bashing damage <laughs> <laughs> bashing on the head yeah bashing damage uh, heavy with momentum which is nice the morning star is cruel uh, a naginata 
That's like a, a bigger katana, like a mm. great katana, if you will. That's 1d8 with flurry and reach, flurry being 1d10. That's Oh, that's yeah. cool, because if you imagine, and I love that with great swords, if you look at like how people are actually supposed to fight with a great sword, they're too big to kind of change the angle of attack too much. Um, so you wouldn't slash and then reverse and do all that like you would so much with a long sword or a, kind of like a um, an arming sword, which is like quite nimble. So they you, what, <clears throat> generally, if you watch people who fight with them, who train with them, they a lot of their movements are very flowing because they because it's quite it's not heavy, but it has a lot of momentum. You might as well utilize that momentum to go into the next swing. So each attack flows. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they have that flurry, so each attack as the momentum builds gets more and more devastating. It's just like it's perfect. It just marries it together so well. Nice one. Um, there is uh, some fun things in here. You've got the scythe. Uh, the well, I just saw one that I really liked. Obviously, he has the lance in here, uh, a glaive, a flail, things that you just don't get in the standard. Um, if we look at martial ranged, you've got blowgun, compound bow. Whoa, uh, what's what's the special about the compound? So, bow? compound <clears throat> bow, two-handed weapon, one d10 damage, ammunition, uh, sixty to two forty. It's heavy, lethal, and penetrating. Um, which is fun. The great bow, as we mentioned earlier, um, there's the hand crossbow and the heavy crossbow and the longbow. So let's look at the longbow because you use a longbow, don't you? Uh, longbow is, of course, 1d8 piercing damage. It has ammunition range 150 to 600, heavy and lethal. So that, that three triple, triple damage. That's though. cool. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go through every weapon. There's a lot there. But that is... Uh, there's a lot of stuff there. And I think you can use this in two ways if you're starting out a campaign you can say right these rules are in now these are optional rules that we're using because they add some some nice stuff or if you're already in a campaign which we are you can just chuck these modifiers onto weapons that you find and then they become very special or if a a character has a weapon that like Galahad has a weapon that levels up over time you uh, you know you get and what, An I like extra about, property. what I like about these is they feel different to the effects of like a magic weapon so like when you go to like a craftsman, right, in D and D, and you say, "Okay, I want you to make me a longsword," right, and it's not going to be a, a magic longsword because it's just a standard craftsman, you can spend, you know, ten gold and get him to make you a longsword, or you can spend five hundred gold and get you know, someone to make you a longsword, but it's going to be the same longsword mechanically, you know. Yeah. This gives you a reason to spend more on a highly um, skilled craftsman who can add more of these properties to your weapon. Yeah. And. It makes sense because they're not magical, you know? They, these are not magical effects. They don't magically make you better at hitting things, you know? They don't ignite your arrows on fire. <laughs> but they're just... its just You can imagine it's just the craft of the, the bow or the weapon itself that allows you to do to be more effective with it. And I think that's pretty cool. Or you could do it the, the way of, oh, I, I get to... I, I get to a level and I and I receive the property of this on the weapon that I'm using because I've learned how to use this weapon. Yeah, I like to, the, I like, I like the idea that. So, like the magic items that give you stat bumps for reading the books. Mm. I like the idea that okay, uh, it's got a prerequisite of say ten levels in fighter, right? Because you need to have a enough of a martial understanding to be able to learn this. But maybe you get some sort of esoteric text that uh, teaches you a new technique with the longbow, mm. and now. Every bow you wield, so longbow becomes lethal because you've learned that technique. Yeah. You had to have, be this level and be this proficient with a longbow anyway to even start learning. You had to put the time in. You know, it's like a little hint. We need prestige glasses back, is what we're saying. This is the thing. 
I I looked into prestige classes and I'm keen on them. They I like all, them. They are awesome. But they're a bit marmite. Some people love them. Some people hate them. I think there's a they're tricky to balance in a lot of ways. Um, and the problem with like three third edition three point five is mm. if you wanted an especially Pathfinder like one e like you had to plan out your character from the very beginning. every move yeah. from like one to twenty yeah. from the beginning. Because you could really mess it up, yeah. and then not have what you want, or not have the prerequisites to go where you want to go. So five E is quite nice in that you can just pick as you go along, and unless you multi-class, you can't really go wrong with your character. You know, if you play a, I don't know, a rogue, yeah, mm. you pick a subclass, and you're going to go along, and every decision you make, no matter how random it is, is going to give you something that's very you know, fairly competent. Mm. Whereas the more options you have, like with prestige classes and stuff like that, you can really mess it up, so to speak. But I think that, that I, th- I feel like you should sort of trust your pl- players or your the people who are buying these books to be invested enough to to, to know what they're doing. To know, yeah, yeah, to know what they're doing. Yeah, I get that, and I, I think with with fifth edition. Um, it, 5e is is doing very well because it's very easy to get into and that is a, a massive achievement and very very good and it means that our hobby thrives but there is a little bit of a detriment there to the people like you and I who want just an extra little thing um, and it would be nice for I don't know there to be an, a book that comes out that's like okay here's fifth edition advanced Dungeons and Dragons like that kind of thing that could be interesting as an optional extra because that's what the books are meant to be they're supplemental yeah, I, I know they've moved away from them um, but like, that's why I'm quite, I never really read it and I'm quite disappointed with the DM's guide because mm. it doesn't really have this is the sort of stuff I would want in the DM's guide if you're going to give me optional rules give me stuff like this don't give me flanking yeah <laughs> you know? I get like, that I, I want more if you're going to make it an optional thing put it in the DMG and have stuff like this don't give me like you know optional downtime activity like that's stuff I can come up with as a DM yeah. and it's nice that it's in there don't get me wrong I but this think, is the mechanical stuff I, I would want personally I think what, what you're hitting on there though in my opinion is that that book came out five years ago nearly six and it came out with the 5th edition player's handbook to be very uh, you know easy to get into yeah. Yeah. so I think I think an advanced 5th edition could have this stuff that, that you're looking for I don't think I think it'll be 6e though before it happens and I don't think 6e will come out for another 5 years probably no uh, we're, because we're 5e is too successful and, it's, it, and doing, it's, it's making more money every year it's it's kind of it's, it's kind of like how um, like the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox you know because they came out around like the recession, yeah. And but because they were quite successful and they had like a, such a long lead up, we had like this massive generation where they were there for like seven or eight years, yeah. And the same with like the PS4 because it was like really successful, like almost as good as like it's like the second best selling console ever or whatever. Uh, it's not the second, I think it? so. Just behind the PS2, it beat the Wii, yeah. I think. But um, because of that, like there's not much incentive to move on, no, you know, um, and evolve, um, which I think. For me, it is important to do. Um, I understand because I'm really enjoying Five E right now, so we don't it. have to, you don't have to yeah. radically change it or anything. No, but I do think like a bit of a revision could be nice. But this is the thing: I don't think, and we're kind of off the topic now. But I think a bit of a revision isn't is what it needs. I don't think it needs a whole new edition. No, but I think they would brand it that. I don't think they would want to do advanced or three point five again. No, because um, I just don't think that's what they want to do. I don't know. We'd have to wait and see. I think um, going but the back problem to is you, if you did it as six E. Yeah. But it was just a revision. People complain that it's not different enough to yeah. warrant a whole new edition. Yeah. 
So yeah. and people so, can buy it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah. double edged sword, really. Um, so speaking of weapons, well, there wow. we go. Wow, fantastic. Um, speaking back on prestige classes, really quickly, uh, I think there was a UA an unfair Arcana for something similar, but it wasn't the same as three point five, and it was a bit, you know, I don't know. It's worth a look at if if that's something that tickles your fancy. I just like it because they're they're things that. I would like maybe something that runs concurrent to your main progression. Mm. So you're ne- you're never going to become so niche that you're very ineffective in a lot of situations because yeah. your main progression is going along. But maybe it's something you can add kind of on the side, which makes you really good at one thing. Like, but doesn't doesn't multiclassing do that? Yeah, but then you're not continuing your main progression because no, you're because you're branching off. And again, subclasses do that to a degree. Um, but like, for instance, like the Cavalier, that subclass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when they first made that, I think in UA, it was way more focused on the mount, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then they realised, like, okay, but you're going to be dungeoning a lot in D and D, and you're not going to be on your mount. You know, if it's two confined spaces or whatever, you're not going to be wielding a lance. A lot of these abilities that we've made for the mount and that, you're not going to get. So you're just going to be a detriment compared to someone who's taken a broader subclass. Yeah. So they made it a little bit more uh, wider a little bit more generic there is some mount specific stuff in there but a lot of it is uh, a bit different to make sure you're utilising those abilities pretty much at all times, which is fine. But again, then, but then it doesn't really feel like a cavalier to me because because then a it's cavalier, not mount specific. No, it shouldn't yeah. be about being on the mount. So I think if we could have something that runs either concurrently or some sort of prestige class later on that um, again doesn't really affect the balance of what your effectiveness in all scenarios, but just makes you really good in a few specific scenarios. So yeah. when they come up, you can really shine, you know. Um, and I I think that'd be quite fun, but. What do I know, Ben? I'm just a podcaster. It's true. It's true. And we're not even that, really. No, not <laughs> no, really. We are. Um, well, I think we can call ourselves that at this point. Yeah, it was about 70 episodes, I suppose. That's sort of, I don't this, know. Is, this is 75, this is. Um, the, the final thing I will say is, I think that one of the answers is, well, we don't need prestige classes because we've got subclasses, but I would like a prestige class to come in at, like, 10th level rather than the subclass that comes in at 3. Yeah. Keep them both. Um I just really want something to, that lets me write down on my wizard's character sheet that I'm now an archmage. Mm-hmm. I just want it officially written on my sheet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, rather than just be like, well, all wizards that get to 20th level are archmages. Like, no, give me the title. <laughs> yeah, I like stuff like that, even though it's just sort of silly naming conventions. Like, It's, it's I, fun, though. Like, it's okay, like achieving like, something. I've picked the thief subclass. Yeah. At some point, I want the game to tell me, you're a master thief now. You know, yeah. like that. Rather than your DM say, well, yeah, people know you as a master yeah. thief. You know, it just no, no, no. <laughs> I want the rule set to tell me I'm a master thief. <laughs> I don't that's kind of a silly thing it really is but there's something to it yeah I just think that, that and I w- think that's why people like prestige classes as well yeah you know I want I want you know my fighter class to tell me that I'm a champion now now I'm a warlord you know what I mean um, I'm a hero or, or whatever it, it just it feels kind of cool to to do that yeah you know? yeah Okay. Uh, I want my, my warlock to tell me at some point that I'm, I'm a real bastard, you know, like, <laughs> achieved bastard status. You're just a dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's there's stuff there. I, I Like I said, I will put the... Um, I will tag... I will try and remember, but I, I will. I'll tag uh, the gentleman DM and his post on to... Do you reckon he is gentlemanly or he just has that facade? Who knows? Who knows, mate? Not a clue. I'm hoping he's gentlemanly. Uh, well, I'll tag it so that you can see the original post because it's it's important to give him credit because this is from his brain and it's bloody brilliant. 
Agreed. Cool. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, have a look at, or if there's any topics you think of, you can. Uh, we are at We Speak Common on Twitter. Check out our website. Yeah, check out our website, wespeakcommon.com. Uh, you can get in touch with us through the contact pages and download all the episodes for offline listening there too. And if you want to just directly email us, we speak common at hommel.com. So when you are in the bunker avoiding all the pandemics, you can uh, listen to the show. Yeah. Internet free. Yeah. Um, one of our players has just dropped out of today's session. I saw that. That's very disappointing. Uh, he's been ill for a, for a while. I'm a little bit worried. He, <laughs> he's got the corona. He hasn't been away. So <laughs> are you uh, are you isolating? <laughs> just check in. Might, might be better for all of us. <laughs> yeah. I've got this situation now as well. I know we're ending the show, but um, where I've prepped the session for his quest. I saw that. I'm looking forward to see how you handle it, Ben. Looking uh, forward to it, mate. We're just going to do the quest because I've not prepped anything. Else. <laughs> it's fine because it's it's a fun quest anyway. It's not it's not. We well, can dial eccentric. him in or text him. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Cheers. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favor. Leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. Free Music Archive.